Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and the show you're about to listen to is an encore presentation of either Spirit Talk, Positive Talk, or Kevin McDonald Presents. Therefore, the numbers that may be presented on the show are not active at this time, but the content is so good, and I think you'll enjoy them. They're highly entertaining, even if I do say so myself. So with that, thank you very much for listening, and please enjoy the following episode. Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. All right, welcome back to the Kevin McDonald Show, Positive Talk in the Afternoon. My name, surprisingly enough, is Kevin. Uh, <laughs> last, last hour, we had a wonderful time with Cheryl Manchester from Positive Changes Hypnosis. And this hour, we are going to have an equally wonderful time with Mayor Cromwell. She is an author, and she's written a book. But before we get into that, I just want to announce again to the world that we are bringing Neil Donald Walsh to the Northwest. Now, Neil Donald Walsh is the author of Conversations with God, as well as a number of other works. And he is coming up here. He's going to do a little uh, motorhome tour and is going to be up here for about eight days in the middle of May. And uh, we are going to go to different churches and different venues so that you will have the opportunity to meet him. So we're real excited about it, just like we're excited about our next guest. Mayor Cromwell is an author. She is from Baltimore. She has been working on this particular work for, oh, eight or nine years, seven, I'm guessing. Seven well, years. I, no, it took well, seven. that's true. I'm still working on it, so it's more than seven years now. <laughs> yes. I'm still working on it. And the name of the book is, and it's really intriguing, and it, it kind of goes in, in the same vein pardon me, of what Neil is talking about, in that, pardon me, one more. <coughs> Thank you, Eric. If I gave you God's phone number, and I thought the premise of the book, Mara, was just wonderful. Well, thank you. What made you come up with that idea? Well, I was at a place in my life um, about eight years ago where I... Uh, was very depressed, and I had quit a very full-time job, very demanding job, to slow down, and I had no idea what I was doing. But I moved in with an older woman. I was boarding with her, and it was Father's Day, and uh, she said to me on her way out the door to church on that Sunday morning, well, don't forget to call your father. And I thought, oh, right, thank you for the reminder. And then I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could call God the Father? I mean, God the Father. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so God the Father. And and then that's where that question came from. Is I, I thought, wouldn't that be a fascinating question to ask people? If I gave you God's phone number, what would you do with it? And I thought, whoa. Of course, I thought this was a crazy idea, but um, but so, it wouldn't go away. So a couple months <laughs> after that, I got a tape recorder and started interviewing people, thinking, well, let's play with this a little. And this book came out of that. Um, I interviewed close to 50 people over seven years and asked each person the question, if I gave you God's phone number, what would you do with that? And it's a fascinating question to ask people. It is, because it, it's fun, because people just didn't give you an answer. 
they gave you an answer, which led to a question, which gave yes. you an answer. And it, it just became a really interesting dialogue about how each of us has an, our own connection to God. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people don't believe they do. You know, like there are agnostics in the book. There's an atheist. And so some people came from the place of why I have no needs for such a number because it doesn't exist, because God doesn't exist. And so that's where they were. And some people said, well, I would call. And, and then we would discuss. They would share with me what they would want to talk to God about. And then I'd put it back to them. Well, how do you think God might respond to that question? And so they really went very deep into kind of within themselves, that deep center. Sometimes they answered their own questions and surprised themselves. And in the meantime, they started to tell me who God was for them. And then there were the people who I interviewed who actually said, they had God's phone number already, and I love that. That was fascinating. And so then I, of course, wanted to know, well, how do you use it? You know, how did you get it? And then they shared with me some really fascinating things. So your background was business. And no, no, my background, <laughs> far from it. Oh, well, you, it was a high-stress job, so I just kind of assumed yeah, it was. Yeah, no, done. actually it was nonprofit, but I was working <sighs> internationally doing environmental work. Oh, I was good. running an inter- international environmental program, and uh, it was wonderful travel and really fascinating people who are very committed to the earth. And, you know, I really actually belong in the Northwest. It's so great yeah. to be here. <laughs> I almost moved to Bellingham eight years ago, and through a weird set of circumstances, I landed back in Baltimore. And um, But my heart's always been out with a lot of people here in the Northwest. I recycle. I Actually, my background is, in the past few years has been doing sustainability training for businesses and nonprofits and people in the building community amongst writing the book. I was like juggling a number of things while I was working on the book. But um, So my background is not business, really. No. So now you are going on a worldwide tour promoting the book. Worldwide tour. Wow. Uh, of course. <laughs> let's start in the United States. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, well, I am touring. I just was in the Midwest for uh, nine days in March. I was in New England in um, you know, November. I'm, I'm trying to get around. I mean, when you write a book, you have to tell people it's there. You have to get the word out. And so I actually have a it's, – it's great fun. And when I go to bookstores, I have two events in Seattle this weekend, actually. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, You're going to be at East West. I'm going to be at East West on Sunday, the uh, 13th, right? I don't have the dates in front of me. Um, I'll be east-west from 1 to 3, and then I'm going to be, before that, on Saturday at 4.30 at Elliott Bay, 4.30 afternoon, in the afternoon on Saturday. Oh, great. Yeah. So, I've, And then I have venue tomorrow in Leavenworth. I'll be in the, um, I drive to Leavenworth this afternoon, and then I head down to Portland and parts in, in Oregon after that. You're going to love it here. It's, it's, I know. It's, but would you do us a favor? Tell everybody in Baltimore it rains and it's not very nice here. <laughs> Well, to be really honest, I don't know too many people in Baltimore who are planning to move to Seattle. <laughs> Wait, good. <laughs> and if I lived in California, it might be different. But um, I actually did p- tell people already that it's going to be raining the whole time. I was trying to discourage them from even thinking about that thought. So you've you've written the book. You've done a lot of research on it. You've talked to a lot of people. And so what is your take of spirituality in America? Where are we? <laughs> I think we're all over the map. You know, Americans, actually, I have to tell something, tell you a story. I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan about a month ago doing a book event, and I um, was at a restaurant with some friends after my book event, and I walked out of the restaurant, and one of my friends I was having dinner with is from um, Lebanon. And so we walked out of the restaurant, and one of his friends was there, who was also Lebanese, and they saw my book, and the other man who was Lebanese said, well, 
gosh, that's fascinating. You know, I've been like, you know, on this quest for God all my life. And then he looked at it. He says, and you, but you found spirituality in America? You found it here? <laughs> and I was really taken back with that. And I went, wow, you know, that's a great, interesting question to ask me. And then I explained to him that um, I really did. I mean, I found a lot of people who are really searching. I found a lot of people with a lot of questions. Um, the interesting thing about it is I told him, well, I did find a lot of answers in this search. And I'm still on the search. I mean, it's a lifelong process. Uh, but one of the sources for a lot of my answers happens to be a Native American woman. She's a Cherokee shaman. And then he said, this man said to me, well, she's not American. <laughs> I said, I don't know how you get more American than a Native American. <laughs> but then he made me think. He really did. Yeah, well, you know, we're in, our culture really isn't portrayed as being... I, I think we're portrayed as more more religious, secular, and and and, yes. and and well, you got the separation of church and state, but there isn't a real spiritual movement here. It doesn't seem to be, and the one that exists is kind of all over the map. You're right. Well, we are all over the place, and that that really came out in the book. I mean, there are so many different ways that people perceive God and relate to God, which I think is true across the world anyway. Because personally, I feel like. Each of us has our own unique experience. It's like we all experience chocolate uniquely. I mean, I cannot tell you how I experience chocolate other than I can tell you I love it. Um, but I can't really explain to you and have you know what it feels like inside myself when I eat it. Um, we each experience the divine in a very different way. And, and churches try to you know, uniformly make it a common experience. And churches play a very important role, but it's really our own individual relationship. And and I think Americans really are all over the place with it. I mean, there really are a lot of um, agnostics in our society. There are a mm -hmm. lot of people who just aren't sure. I mean, I even had little kids come up to me last weekend at a expo where I was with a table, and these little girls came up. And um, two out of the three said, well, I'm not really sure if there is a God. You know, I don't know about this. I was really surprised. Now, the third one was very certain there's a God, and she had all the answers. It was really interesting to hear her talk. God is everywhere. Don't you know that? God is in the trees and in the ground and all around us. And I kind of listened to her and went, wow, you, you go. You keep on going there. You're doing fine. Yeah, just keep on talking because maybe you'll help these little girls. Yeah, because it's uh oh, pardon me. My, my <laughs> shot calling. Yeah, my shoe phone is ringing. Um, God wants to talk to you right now. Gosh, you know, and I tell all of my all of my guests just don't do that, um, and uh, um, turn your phone, put it on vibrate, and then the host doesn't do that. I hate that. Um, but that being said, I'm turning my phone off right now. <laughs> So when we talk about spirituality in America and we talk about how diverse we are and how many different points of view there are, that's okay, isn't it? If well, it, yeah, I, th I mean, what do you think? Well, I, th I, think, it's, I think it's wonderful he, is unless the only time that I think it's not okay is when I feel like I need to tell you what to believe. Yeah. <laughs> that I believe that each of us, as you said, I don't know what it's like for you to eat chocolate, mm -hmm. but I do know that I need to go find out what hole is in my heart mm -hmm. and how to fill it with God myself. You know, Kevin, and that's that's a really wonderful way to put that. Um, the reason I really did this book was because there was a hole inside me. There was a spiritual void, and I had been spirituality shopping for a number of years. I was raised Catholic, but I never felt the love of God. I never felt the divine in the Catholic Church. Um, I felt 
uh, and I learned a lot about guilt and about being wrong and about not being good enough. And so I left the Catholic Church in my early 20s, and I actually used to spend a lot of time at an ashram, at a yoga center. I, I became a disciple of a guru in the late late 80s. But then the guru left because of sexual scandals, and I was like, well, this is great. You know, now now who do I listen to? And I was pretty much bereft for a while there. And, but, and that was the reason I truly believe for a lot of my depression. You know, I, I really was kind of adrift. And when I did some of these interviews, um, the feeling that came over me in talking to some of these people who I could see were very connected to the Creator, to God, to the Divine, was such a powerful feeling that it filled me up in those moments of the interview. And I didn't want those interviews to end. I didn't want those people to leave me. I was like, <laughs> let's talk for another three days, okay? Uh, like one of the and one of the people I interviewed who was very powerful, very spiritual, is a singer from Blacksmith Lady Mombazo, or Lady Smith Black Mombazo. I always say that wrong. The singing group from South Africa, and uh, he was so incredible. And when he talked, and we had this really rich, rich conversation, I just couldn't help but feel this love. This, and it wasn't like I felt was falling in love with him. It was like he truly loved God. Yeah. And he talked about how you know he would ask God to give people the spirit. And he was filled with the spirit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that wasn't brought on by a religious no. culture. That was an individual decision that he made. Yes, to go inside and to invite the divine, the universe, spirit, God, Buddha, whatever you would like to call it, right? Inside, right? To you and start living your life in a way that is to your and the universe's highest good, right? To, and, to form that connection, to be open, to have that connection. And to develop a personal relationship that, that is between you and the divine. Right. And without having to have an operator in between or a phone line or exactly. a phone company who, can, who takes it and, and dissects what you're supposed to do with it. You need to find that out yep. for yourself. Yeah, and that that at least that's that's been an editorial opinion, not necessarily. <laughs> no, I'm, by. I I'm totally <clears throat> with you. I really love the way you say that. Um, are we about to go on break here? We are. <laughs> here, Before just gotta, I launch into something here. Yeah, we're gonna. We are talking with Mary Cromwell. She's written the book. If I gave you God's phone number, and it's really fascinating. So she's gonna be at East West and Elliott Bay this weekend. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Positive Talk in the Afternoon here on KKNW. My name is Kevin. I'm your host. And today, we're spending the entire hour with Mayor Cromwell. She's written the book. I gave you God's phone number. And she actually went and asked a bunch of folks what they would do if she had in her possession God's phone number. And what would she do? they do if she gave it to them? <laughs> would they use it? Would they throw it away? I imagine, and I haven't read every case study, but I bet you there's somebody in there that said, call God. I would, I would I'd be scared to. I would never do that. You know, nobody who I interviewed said they'd be afraid of calling him. Some people did say in the middle of their interview, well, you know, I'm really not sure about this number. I mean, yeah, maybe I'd ask some questions. But, you know, suppose I did call and it was just a busy signal all the time. Or what suppose he hung up on me? Yeah, or what if he – there's one interview called um, – the whole interview is called What If God's Having a Cynical Day, you know? 
I mean, suppose you were to call and God would like, you know, be kind of nasty to you and be in a bad mood. <laughs> you know? yeah. I said, I mean, and I didn't. One of the things that I that I need to put out here is that I. I in no way questioned these people as far as challenging their beliefs. I really came from a place of very unconditionally accepting them, and I just wanted them to go deeper wherever they were. So the the one guy who talked about God having a cynical day, I asked him, you know, to go deeper with that. Well, you know, what do you think God might say? You know, if God's in that kind of mood, what? How do you think He might respond to that? And at least I think that's what I said. It's been a while since I did that interview, but. Um, but these people, I, I tried to make them feel really safe to just speak their truth. Which is really refreshing because it's a great thing. Just It's kind of like it's almost, the book is almost kind of like candid camera in a way because you're just peeking in on what candid other people. Candid heart. Yeah. Candid soul. Candid soul. It's oh, kind of like, like what, what people's um, belief systems are and, and they're opening their heart to you, obviously. Yeah. And they're allowing us to look at them it's like maybe i'm not so crazy after all which is kind of a nice thing yeah actually and some people who have read it have come back to me and said you know i thought i was the only one who had those beliefs Mm. you know and then i read in your book that this one man this i was really surprised someone else has those same thoughts i have yeah yeah. i'm not so nuts after all (laughs) well maybe you are but (laughs) beyond that (laughs) separate issue separate issue yeah Uh, it is and if you think that other people may have the same viewpoint as you, it makes it a lot easier for you to go explore it if you think that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's true. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show is that we want people to understand that, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> you, t- you don't have to follow somebody else's rules. Well, and where I come from is that it's okay to ask questions. Matter of fact, the more questions you ask, the more you'll find out. You know, and it's hard for me when I meet people who don't ask questions. Like I've done book events, um, you know, at Barnes and Noble, say in Florida, where there were some fundamentalists, some fundamentalist Christians who showed up, and the things they said to me, I wanted to shake them and go, "Don't you ever feel like it asking your pastor whether that's really true? <laughs> Don't you feel like questioning some of these?" One man said that um, this really floored me that all women. Women are generally drawn to being more spiritual, which I agree with. For some, we're more spiritual beings, and you know, men are more drawn to the physical, I guess. But um, and that's a big generalization. Please bear with me. But this man in the bookstore said, uh, "But what women are drawn to is this is the work of Satan, and so women need to find God through a man. That is the only safe way for women to find God." <laughs> now, yet I, like, I suppose if you're a man, that's a really cool thing. Well, yeah, because <laughs> then you're still in power, and women are underneath you, I guess. Because you know, I'm not married, and and I don't belong to a church. And this man said that that I would need to find God through a through my husband or through a minister, and and you know, and that's the minister just, needs to be a man. By and the, the way. minister would definitely need to be a man. Yes, I don't think there are very very many women ministers in his church, probably. Well, and and the Bible is not really written in a gender neutral way. No, and it could be, but they, even that bothers some. There folks. is a version that's out apparently that is. Yes, I haven't but, read it, and that bothers some folks. Well, yeah, because it you know shakes the system. The system doesn't like to be shaken too much. It's shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Yes. It's it's interesting because when you have a set of beliefs that have been given to you and you don't have to go do anything personally or develop your own personal what I call having personal responsibility for you. Yeah. 
if you don't have to do that because somebody else can tell you everything, that to me is you're not fulfilling your own life mission because that's part of what you need to be doing is to understand and to learn about who you are and who you really are and where you can be. Mm -hmm. And if you accept somebody else's definition of that, and they turn out to be, is in some cases, uh, 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 a, a felon who is hurting children or is um, taking advantage of his position and power. Or molesting women or stealing money or um, putting, um, you know, cyanide in Kool-Aid. You know, there are all sorts of spirit, t- religious leaders, cult leaders who yes. have really turned out to be not very good people. I honestly believe the day of the guru is dead. I think you're right. And that people need to be responsible for themselves and what they believe and their actions of everything that they do. Yeah, let me share something with you. The same time this book came out, this book came out just last September 2002. Um, Another book came out that very same month called God Is That You? And that book is about developing a a direct connection with God also. And then another book came out just a month before called I Talk to God and God Wants to Talk to You. And I don't think it's a coincidence that... That our books, and I'm sure there are more that I haven't heard of yet, our books all came out the same time because I think there is this this current of whatever it is you want to call it where I believe that God, the creator, the divine spirit is really asking us and challenging us and pushing us. Look, don't just follow your church leaders. Listen yourself. Develop that divine connection and learn to listen yourself. And if you really are listening and you're discerning where that's coming from and it is coming from a higher place then you can have your own connection you don't need to then listen to somebody else who may be misinterpreting who may be guiding you in the wrong way and it's a lot more work doing this you know there's no doubt about it you have to be able to develop that space to learn how to listen and not and that's hard to do in our busy lives and our busy society our lifestyle we like to be busy we like to be running all the time and our minds are always active and chattering and but if you learn to slow down and want to have that connection and learn how to then be still to listen you can have incredible wisdom and it's not it takes a long time it doesn't happen overnight but that's part of what we're here to do i believe well i i'm totally i agree with you completely i mean i feel like i feel like what we're really here to do is develop develop each of us that god space within each of us and to learn to drop any sense of separation between us and the divine this is what it's all about it's not about having bigger cars or bigger houses and you know i mean absolutely as long as your fundamental needs are being met <clears throat> Developing that inner world within ourselves is what it's about. Exactly. You know, the interesting thing, too, is that if you believe that everything is laid out for you by somebody else, then you don't work as hard for it. And it's also easier for you to pick it up on Sunday from like 1015 to 1130 and then leave it there. But if you are interested in developing your own connection, you can't just pick it up and then put it down. No. It kind of carries you around with you. Well, and after a while, if you really are committed to it, it's like it comes through you. It's like you give your life over. And I, I sometimes I listen to myself and I go, God, I sound like an evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't see myself as an evangelist. No, no. And I, I mean, don't follow me. <laughs> if you want to read my book, great. I hope you do. But don't follow me. You know, do it your way. Figure out your way. And if you find people who like your way and want to do it with you, fine. Um, the name of the book is, if I gave you God's phone number, 
Search of Searching for Spirituality in America. Mayor Cromwell is the author. She spent seven years talking to people, just talking to people, and asking them that question, which led to another which led to an another answer. Question, which led another to another question. question. And and they and, and ultimately got very deep into their own belief system. Yeah. And in many cases discovered the flaw in their belief system along the way. And some hmm. changes that they wanted, because in some cases they contradicted each other. Yeah, they did. And well, it, they contradicted, like one person said something very different than another person. And sometimes they clarified what they were saying as they were talking with me. They, And at the end of it, they go, wow, you know, I, I never thought about it, but you really helped me kind of go deeper with this. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about God. We're afraid to talk about God. I think we're afraid of being told we're wrong. Absolutely. And as I'm out and about doing bookstore events, what I'm realizing is people are really hungry, actually, to talk about their spiritual lives. They're hungry to find a safe place to talk about it because people have amazing experiences, but they are afraid they're going to be seen as crazy if You're they talk about it. You're nuts. I know. You saw that and you felt that. You must be you wacko. Did, yeah. And it's like, you know, actually, the more connected you become, the more you experience. It's quite an adventure. And there are just some phenomenal people that are in search of their own spirituality. Yeah. And, and they're on this path, this incredible path. And it's it really is a life-changing event for so many, so many people. You know, I want to say that the, the interesting thing about this question, if I gave you God's phone number, what would you do with it, is that it's a very innocuous way to get people to open up. Um if I if I came up to somebody and said, "Do you want to talk about God?" People generally would shut down. But I I found this way through this question to go through the humor of this phone connection idea. This God sitting on the other end with an operator and you know head, headset on. Um, people kind of got distracted by that, and before they knew it, then they were really sharing who God was. Mm-hmm. And and I, I kind of, I didn't know what I was doing when I started, but it kind of fell into place. I didn't know that this would be such an opening for people. Now, you have to admit, uh, it must have been scary for you walking up to the first person and saying, hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't because I'm not very shy. <laughs> and um, the first people I interviewed were actually um, friends of the uh, the lady I was living with. And we would be having dinner together and because when I lived with her, I really I just rented a bedroom, and so we shared the same kitchen and dining room. And when she had friends over, I would come down and join them. And people would inevitably say, "Well, what do you do? And you know, what's your career?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I'm writing a book." You know, I didn't know what oh, I was wow, doing. You're writing a book? <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to tell them. I'm really confused, and I'm lost, and I'm gardening part time, and you don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, so I'd kind of make up this pompous story. But but then I'd ask them. I said, "I'm looking for people to interview." Um, and it wasn't hard to ask. It really wasn't. Um, it was sometimes it was hard for people to say yes, though. Did some, did some people turn you down? They did. The, this one woman actually was dying of cancer, and she turned me down. Oh no. She um, and I don't blame her in a way. She really couldn't go there. She didn't want to reveal those parts of herself that were right in her face. She was really grappling with death. And another man said no because he was a very busy lawyer slash businessman who just didn't have time and i wanted to say to him i guess you don't have time for god do you um so a number of people said no and then actually there was another man i did do an interview with amazing interview he used to be a heroin addict um running from the the law running from the police who had been in and out of jail and he uh actually had an incredible spiritual experience shooting up one night um in New York City, he was running from the law, and he was in New York City, 
And he said he looked at the the hypodermic, the needle in his hand, and it looked like a skeleton. And that's when he woke up. And he realized that all these people around him were killing themselves. All these, it was a shooting gallery. And he's actually like a mystic who lives in Baltimore and teaches Tai Chi. And he didn't want his interview used, excuse me, um, because he's trying to write his own story up. Um, but uh, very powerful story. That's that's interesting. That that he while he was shooting up, he had a, had a mystical experience. But that's he, was it, you know, and he amazed the doctors because he went cold turkey, and they had never seen anyone do what he did. He went off the methadone. He went off the heroin. They thought he was going to go crazy, and he didn't. And he started praying, and he started um, ablooting. You know, the Muslim, mm-hmm. uh, you know, exp- sort of ways, I should say. Um, and he is this incredible man. If you were to meet him, you would you would know this man is very, very spiritual. I am convinced that all of the rules and all the laws that we've established for ourselves can be changed at will, given the courage and the and the desire and the connection to do it. And sometimes I think there's some spiritual support mm-hmm. comes from places we can't see or touch. Some people can. But sometimes, you know, we're boosted by things outside of ourselves. Absolutely. And which is connected to ourselves still, though. Mm-hmm. Because I, I honestly believe because and we talk a lot about energy on the show. Oh. <laughs> and that since the universal energy, everything is of the same substance, made up of the same stuff, mm-hmm. if you will. And it's all the same energy. <clears throat> so we are all connected. We oh, are yeah. all part of the same process. Yeah. Actually, I should share that one of the interviews is with a man who went to college in California in the late 60s. And he said that his foundational spiritual experience was taking acid and being in the redwoods off his campus there in California and that he experienced this powerful oneness that blew him away. And it was all through, you know, psychedelic. Now, I don't recommend everyone go out there and experiment with that. But um, but for him, it really sort of laid the groundwork for how he sees the universe and mm-hmm. this powerful creative force that we are all part of. And it's a, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Oh, yeah. It's so much bigger than we are. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's something that we can't even begin to fathom. But it, We it's, can touch it, It's though. cool. And that's why uh, a book like yours, if I gave you God's phone number, puts it at its very base level. Because it paints the picture that God could be on the other end of the phone and that you just pick up the phone and talk to him. And that we can have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way dialogue. A lot of people don't think that. They think you just pray and you just put it out there. There but it are, can be a two-way dialogue. I, I believe that God has never stopped talking to us. He continues to talk to us on a daily basis. And we just need to listen. We just need to, <laughs> to have our ears on. It's, Tune in. Yeah, it's like it's. we have a, a local celebrity, and he's been around for a long time. He's, he's a clown. He had a morning show. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Oh, cool. So I'm all excited about having cool. J.P. Patches on the show. Funny. So if you've been... Amazing how I could segue into that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but he... Had what he had something that was called uh, the ICU two TV set, and that's how I picture us with God. It's like the ICU two TV set. We can see each other and we can be connected to it all the time. <laughs> so and, and anyway, that's my segue. JP Patches will be here tomorrow. We're going to go ahead and take a, a commercial break. Welcome back to Positive Talk of the Afternoon. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host. Today, Mayor Cromwell and 
the book, if I gave you God's phone number, what would you do with it? I like the way you you enunciate that. I always say, if I gave you, if I gave you God's phone number, if I gave you God's phone number. Well, it's like a challenge. It's like, and oh, by the way, if you buy the book, you get the phone number. That's not true. Don't tell people that. <laughs> there is no phone number listed. People come up to me in bookstores. They say, well, so do you have the number? Can I have it? And I look at them and I go, do you really want it? And, and one man did this, this older man. And he says, well, yeah, I do. I said, well, you know what? Can I tell you a secret? And he looks at me. I said, you know what? You already have it. <laughs> he looked at me. He didn't know what to say. And he Don't. left. He walked out of the store and I went, I gave him some food for thought. <laughs> You already have it. <laughs> Actually, it's a fundraiser for the for the Pope, and it's one nine hundred. No, kidding. Stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That's a little irreverent False of me. False advertising. Know. I know, and but it's it's a great book. It has like fifty different people that oh, you. No, interviews. actually, twenty one. They're twenty one. I'm sorry, twenty one. <laughs> I lied. But it there, there a... will be another book. I'm interrupting oh, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you may. It's your book. You can do anything. You I like. can say whatever I want. Do whatever. That's I want. right. That's right. Oh, look, the mountains are coming out. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it pretty? And uh, you will have a wonderful time here in the Northwest. I guarantee you that. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I love being out here. I also want to in- introduce and invite Katie Evans to the show. She's on next, but she had nothing else to do. So we here thought, I am. Yeah. So we should, you know, let's ask Katie a question. So, Katie, what would you do if I gave you God's phone number? Call. Call. <laughs> so, so what would you say? You know, there's a really funny joke about this. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> well, we're ready. Would you for like a joke? me to hear? Yes. I, I, actually, it's one I can tell on. Can you tell? Really? Well, it's a clean it's, joke. It's a little clean. sexist, but it's a god clean joke. Hey, everything else is. But that's okay. So, you should have heard what she said a couple of moments ago. That I got you fired up. But go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, this reporter gets an interview with God, <laughs> and he's really excited. So he goes and he, he's um, interviewing God, and he says, "So tell me, God, what do you think about the Pope?" He says. Nice young man. Nice young man. He says, uh, we decided to do something a little different. We went Polish instead of the traditional Italian, but he's doing a good job for us. He says, um, so tell me, God, do you think there will ever be a woman pope? God thinks for a minute. He goes, well, and then he thinks again. And God says, well, I suppose that would be a possibility sometime in the future. Not as long as I'm God, of course. <laughs> well, what, what we were talking about earlier is he, she ran into a gentleman in Florida oh, yeah. who basically said that that uh, the w- women are more spiritual than men, and men are more real than women, and so in order They're to drawn get... to be more physical than than spiritual. Yes, but in but order he didn't say that. <laughs> he no. said that women need to find God through a man because the spirituality that. <gasps> The spirituality that women are drawn to is really the work of Satan. This is what he said in this book. And he knows. You know, there's another joke about that, but I'm not allowed to say that one. (laughs) You know, the people who know are the scariest ones. Well, and then the ones, and then they tell you that you're wrong and that you'll go to hell because you yeah. don't know what they know. That's believe, the ones who know. <laughs> who, who don't, I, you don't, I had a man tell me in a bookstore that I'm an unbeliever and I'm probably going to go to hell. And Yeah, uh, but, but you're going to be in such great company with <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us. I don't think hell exists. We create either. hell ourselves. We yeah. create our own hell. That's where I'm Now, but, yeah. but if, you, if you go there, then you have to go, well, then there's no Satan. Okay. Which, which, no, okay. not necessarily. There's a difference there. I well, think there's a distinction. <laughs> I think we create. I think we create our own, uh, our own, uh, our own hell, and uh-huh. also our own Satan's. Mm-hmm. We can. We can. 
I think evil does exist mostly in in human traits, greed, and and Saddam stuff, mm-hmm. Osama stuff, Osama yeah. stuff. Actually, the yeah. the, the um, but they Afghani, do it in the name of God. Yeah, the Afghani man who's in the book, who's the second to last chapter. He he talks about that. He talks about how. You know, how could anyone think they're doing the work of God when they're coming from a place of hatred and anger mm. and vengeance? And this is where Osama bin Laden's coming from. And even though Osama thinks he's doing the work of God, this is the work of the devil. And this is exactly what Abdullah said, the Muslim Sufi who's in the book. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm well, going to print this in my book. I think that yeah. there are a lot of people, regardless of their faith, who understand that if you approach anything with hate and fear and division and death and destruction, that that doesn't come from God. No. That's, no. You know, that's the duality that we have here on the planet. The, mm-hmm. uh, the love-hate, the, the, the God-devil. The love-fear. Yeah. Love-fear, yeah. Don't when hate. we get into, when we, when we just focus on the oneness that we all are, then there's no room for duality. Yeah, and you know what? Let me speak to this in a second, in a way, because um, a lot of people who I've talked to in the past few months as the war was impending and now that we are at war, people would say to me, well, you know, I really would like that number because I would want to talk to God about this war. I would ask God to stop this war. And, um, and this whole sort of idea of being able to call God to be able to access the divine and really have a conversation. And, and, and give him an order. You know, well, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, let's face it. It's already within us to know how to, to stop exactly. this. It's already within us. We already have all that we need to stop these wars and to live in a different way. And what I think people want to find a way out of this place of fear that so many people are in right now. I mean, I live in Baltimore, and the highway around Baltimore, the loop that goes around, they have those digital boards that usually give you information about traffic jams. Well, mm-hmm. now they all say Homeland Security, in effect, you know, if, and if you're aware of any terrorist activity, call. I mean, here we are driving on the highway being reminded every 10 miles mm-hmm. that, we're, that there are terrorists at our door, or terrorists amongst us. And how can we not be afraid? And I think people want to find this place of security and one woman actually said to me, God's like a big security blanket, a big, warm, fluffy ba- blanket. And if we could curl up in that a lot more, we wouldn't be so afraid. I thought that and was a can. wonderful image. You and can. we can. And we can. It's just a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you choose fear? Do you choose peace? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to tell you a funny story. My niece, when she, today's her birthday. Happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday. Uh, when she was eight years old, after my husband died, I, my sister and her daughter and I moved in together. And um, she asked me one time, we'd have these really great conversations, eight-year-old. And Hmm. she asked me one time, she says, how do you think I could help make peace in the world? Wow, what would you say? I said, well, and I knew she was having struggles with one of her classmates, a little girl. They were, you know, clashing. And I said, well, the first thing I think you want to do is make peace with that little girl. But but I don't want to do that. She looked at me and said, no, I want to do something bigger. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that's that's so yeah. true of most of us. Yeah. I want peace on earth, but I don't want to really give of myself to create it. Yeah, I'll call God and have God do it. Because, again, we're still going outside, still going outside. Well, yeah. the, the, starts I, with you. If we could just get everybody to forgive each other for doing stupid stuff on the highway. If we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's start there. Don't, don't flip honk. that guy off. Yeah, don't flip the guy off. Don't honk and just slow down. Recognize that 
he ain't perfect either, or she ain't perfect, and you're not. And Maybe we need compassionate driving classes. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. that. Compassionate that... car classes, the CCC. <laughs> <laughs> we could do something with that. You know, gentleness on the road. You guys drive a lot slower here, actually. I've driven that. back east, back Baltimore. It's woo-hoo, cutthroat. Yeah. Actually, Michigan's the fastest. They're really, they're like 80 miles an hour. <laughs> Well, we have we're in a, the middle of a, of a of a change because there are a lot of people who've lived here for a very long time, and we're used to the how we drive. Because I've driven in California and I've driven back east, it's a different animal. Yeah, yeah. you have to you pick your car based upon how fast you have to accelerate to get on the freeway. <laughs> yeah, in L.A. versus here, when it's different. So now, though, we've got a lot of transplant, so we've got a lot of folks that are used to driving that way in L.A. and a lot of people that are used to driving a little slower. Well, then here. you need patient car classes, patient, yes, compassionate patient. car classes. Well, and the roads are just so <laughs> terrible here; they're just so clogged up. You know, here we are talking yeah. about traffic. Let's talk about God in traffic. Suppose you saw God on the highway. <laughs> Would you wave? <laughs> well, you know, there's that song out there that said, "What if God was one what of us?" What if God was was one of just slob like yeah gosh i can never remember that singer's name it's terrible but it's such a great song eric knows eric knows it's uh joan osborne yes joan yes. osborne name the name <laughs> i play trivia really poorly and it, which is a great song and but there's a lot of that coming out in our culture now because i think everybody a lot of people are searching yeah. they're searching for something well, there's some better. big questions there's some big challenges going on around the planet i mean it's interesting i want to show you that a brazilian publisher has just bought the rights to this book and he's going to translate it into portuguese for brazil and he and i talked on the phone in december because he had some ideas about how he wanted to do it and i need to call him and he said he said you know there are so many questions people are asking these days. There's so much that we don't know and people are grappling with. He says, your book is so perfect, you know, if we could call God. And he's been showing the book to his family and friends, and people are like, wow, you know, what a great idea. Yeah. And he's coming from that place, though, of there are global challenges right now that there are hard to find answers for. Yep. You know, and he's like, people need, they need to have that spiritual trust. And I'm putting words in his mouth in a way, but he really touched me deeply. I mean, I was so excited because here's a man who really got the book. He got it. He really understood it. For the first time in the history of our planet, we can do two things. And we've been able to do them for the last, you know, little while now. One is that we can globally kill ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the other one is we can globally communicate instantaneously. And use it to heal ourselves. And we can't separate the two because we I mean, we can't separate continue to separate ourselves from people in other parts of the world well, because we are able to communicate and so I, well. I think what you're getting at and this is not something that's just a current question it's been a perennial question as long as we've been humans two-leggeds is that we can see ourselves as separate or we can see ourselves as yeah. one Yep. We can be global citizens or we can be very kind of territorial. And I live in Baltimore and my Baltimore city is better than your city. Isolationist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or individualist. And mm-hmm. this is where we have choices. And part of it is seeing the oneness. It's the same concept. When I was growing up, in addition to J.P. Patches, who will be on the show tomorrow? I know. By the way. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> the Baltimore Colts were my team. Oh. Okay. Before the t- the, we had a team here? Yeah. Now, I, I use sports as an analogy because it works. And that is that when you're a fan of the Baltimore Colts, in those days, you hated the fans of the Oakland Raiders. Well, everybody hates them. Yeah. Because they're <laughs> different. But now... Transfer that to the U.S. Olympic team. 
We all, from Oakland and Baltimore in here, all can stand behind the Olympic team because they are now all of us. Now, if we could take that national deal and make it a global deal, like they did in the, in the movie uh, uh, Independence Day, yeah. when the aliens came down and they started we blowing had a everything up. common enemy. We had a common enemy, so we all got together and we figured out the language barrier, we figured out how to defeat them, and together as a planet, we went and did it. Do Are we you have... saying we need aliens landing to get us I'm together? Well, not. it worked before. Only <laughs> in the movies. It was a Hollywood set. We have to figure out a way to achieve the same thing without necessarily having to blow up half well, of humanity to I do it. I think we just need to remind ourselves. All of us. The ourselves. way is there if we just need to remind ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You have a website. I do. We need to get that out. It's www.tocallgod.net. T-O-callgod.net. Do it again and get your piece of paper out because I'm going to give you some numbers now. Okay. I'll just do it this way, tocallgod.net, T-O-callgod, all one word, .net. And you can download a chapter. It's the chapter with the Cherokee shaman. It's a really interesting chapter from the web. Cool. Yeah. If somebody wanted to contact you to, to place a book order. They to... can go through that website. Great. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll send autograph copies out through the website. You can order it through PayPal on my website. And you're going to be? I'm going to be at Elliott Bay Bookstop. Bookstore, bookstore. Thank you. And up from Seattle at 4.30 on Saturday in two days. And then I'll be at East West Bookshop. Store. Store. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. You're not from here. East West. Just say East West. East West. Everybody knows (laughs) East West Books. Yeah. Um, And that's um, on Sunday from 1 to 3. And we're going to have some really rich discussions. We have a lot of fun at these events. You will have a great time. And and thank you for coming to the Northwest. It's It's been a pleasure. Oh, I love coming out here. <laughs> Katie Evans. <laughs> Sir. What's coming up on your show? Well, my associate, Lisa Krunick, who makes her Thursday stop, will be with me. Hi, Lisa. And uh, there she is. We're going to talk about, there was a fabulous article in the paper yesterday about uh, how Ray Allen uses the power of his mind to create the basketball game and the life that he wants and how other people with serious illnesses are also using the power of your mind to envision and to image great health, great success, and we're going to teach people how to do that. Cool. Yeah. Mare was just talking about a gentleman that uh, that was a heroin addict, and the doctors are amazed because he changed his life at the drop of a hat because he could. Yeah. And he did it through the power of his mind. That's how life changes, at the drop of a hat. And that's how and it the, works. The power of the mind, there's nothing greater. Except God. <laughs> Which may be the same thing. <laughs> I think there's a connection there. Yeah, I think. <laughs> if I gave you God's phone number is the name of the book. Mayor Cromwell is the author. Thank you for coming. Thank We've you. had a great time it's with it. It's been really fun. And Joy, I'll be listening to your show because I need all the positive stuff I can get. Don't so, we all? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> so, Amen. thank you very much. It's been a great show. Tomorrow we have JP Patches. Woohoo! JP Patches. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his we name? JP Patches. JP Patches will be here, and Val John Ferris will be here. Kim Miller, I'll be here. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Seattle. Another major Iraqi city falls to the coalition along with the remnants of Saddam Hussein's former regime.